You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. It's called leadership. President Trump went to East Palestine, Ohio today to see the people there, to get a sense of the problem, to do what President Biden should have done 20 days ago, to do what Secretary Buttigieg should have done 20 days ago. Um, And he just did it. And now they're going to do it. Okay, he's leading. They're following. And some might say this is a photo op. And sure, there were cameras there, but a photo op is actually important. All right. It puts the entire government on notice. And I don't think Biden or Buttigieg would be going unless this happened today. So it's like he's still president. This is what President Biden should have done, but this is not what he's capable of doing. He doesn't care about these people. This is a red state, Ohio. I really think it's that simple. That's one of the reasons why these people have been blown off. Donald Trump going was huge, significant. It's one of the reasons why he won the election in 2016 and probably 2020. Uh, because he gets people, he gets the country, he knows where to focus. He did the right thing. By the way, this visit today was covered by Newsmax live on our air at 2.38 p.m. Made comments at the fire station. What was happening on Fox News at the same time? Uh, okay, this. No Donald Trump. Uh, hmm, how about that? Mayor Pete, Mayor Pete Buttigieg, the word is he's going to go tomorrow. He was thoroughly embarrassed on the streets of Washington, D.C., out with his husband for a stroll and blowing off the people. He was asked about it. Listen to this. About a dozen interviews I've given today, and uh, if you'd like to arrange a conversation, uh, make sure you reach out to our press office about Conversation with you. Just you don't have a message here. for them? I do, and I shared it with the press many times today. I'd refer you to those comments. Would you mind sharing it with us? No, I'm going to refer you to the comments that I made to the press because uh, right now I'm taking some personal time and I'm walking down the street. Are you going down there? <clears throat> What's up? Are you going down there at all? Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's going, but he's kind of reluctant about the whole thing. Hey, what he does in a moment is very strange. I'll get to that in a little bit. So, uh, He's not there. Joe Biden sent a I'm thinking about you message from Poland <laughs> areas in Poland. And he says something along these lines. Uh, we got your back. I want affected residents to know that we've got your back. Yeah. Three weeks later, we've got your back. 
Affected residents, affected residents, how warm, how, isn't he supposed to be good at connecting? Dear affected residents, we have your back. Meanwhile, Trump went to McDonald's. Hello, everybody. That's a nice, beautiful looking group of people. So I know this menu better than you do. Okay? I probably know it better I love it. Than you know, he goes to McDonald's and he actually likes it. All right. He's not putting on an act. It's great. And someone asked a question about, hey, what's this all about? Why are you here? His answer is spot on. Take a look. Why are you visiting today? Huh? Why are you visiting today? Well, we brought a lot of people with us, and more importantly, we brought the federal government with us because uh, when they heard I was coming, they all came. They weren't going to come. They were going to leave you abandoned, and now they're not. And now they're not, and now they're coming. And now it's a priority when before he went, not so much. Sometimes photo ops have a beautiful strategic intent and result. Meanwhile, we have other photo ops that are disastrous all around. Joe Biden with uh, Zelensky over there in Ukraine. What did this mean uh, that we're in the even deeper than we already are? I'm not sure. Uh, Joe has no real strategic guidance to speak of, but uh, that was a photo op without much of a purpose, in my opinion. So what does it mean? I don't know. I don't know. Hey, we got to talk about this. The Georgia Peach. Have you heard about her? This is the grand jury four woman, four person who is hearing the evidence against unnamed officials, probably Trump, Giuliani, regarding that phone call to Georgia election officials uh, back in 2021, early 2021. The results were in question. And anyway, we got questions about this person. She seems like she shouldn't be on any grand jury evaluating anything. And so we're talking about multiple people. Yes. How long, how many people was this a long list? It's not a short list. So we're talking about more than a dozen people? I would say that, yes. Why do you want to speak out publicly? Because this was a really cool experience. I kind of wanted to subpoena the former president because I got to swear everybody in. And so I thought it'd be really cool to get 60 seconds with President Trump of me looking at him and being like, do you solemnly swear? And me getting to swear him in, I just, I kind of just thought that would be an awesome moment. Did the grand jury recommend an indictment of former President Trump? I'm not going to speak on exact indictments. (laughs) Not cute. Um, it's like an oddball middle schooler. I'm sorry, this person should not be on a grand jury. That's my hunch. Maybe she really knows what she's doing, but when you consider this, it's an old saying that you can indict a ham sandwich. A judge said that a long time ago. Grand jury would indict a ham sandwich if that's what you wanted, and that would make our, our little friend there a, well, a waitress in a sandwich shop. Okay, this is the kind of because you can indict anybody. Now, this wasn't a full fledged indictment. It was a recommendation for an indictment, we believe. So what is this all about? You remember Georgia went blue for the first time, like since Jimmy Carter, I think. I mean, totally crazy. I, I, I have very grave concerns and doubts about the election results. Okay, fair to say. I think it's fair to say. So did Donald Trump. 
and he got on the phone and did what he's allowed to do, complain, uh, point out discrepancies that he's heard of, and ask for results. That's okay. You're allowed to do that. And he did. Mr. President, the problem uh, you have with social media, they can, people can say anything. No, uh, no, this isn't social media. This is Trump media. It's not social media. It's, it's, it's really not. It's not social media. I don't care about social media. I couldn't care less. Social media is big tech. Big tech is on your side, you know. I don't even know why you have a side, because you should want to have an accurate election. And you're a Republican. We believe that we do have an accurate election. No, I no, you don't. No, no, you don't. You don't have. You don't have. Not even close. You got. You're off by hundreds of thousands of votes, and just on the small numbers, you're off on these numbers, and uh, these numbers can't be just. Well, why won't? Okay. You're allowed to say these things. All right. His name was on the ballot. He doesn't agree with the results. He thinks there was fraud. There may have been fraud. You're allowed to do this. They're trying to make this phone call into a crime. Indicting him over this phone call, it's crazy. Where is the crime? And you're going to find that they are, which is totally illegal. It's, it's, it's more illegal for you than it is for them because you know what they did and you're not reporting it. That's a, you know, that's a criminal, that's a criminal offense. And, and, you know, you can't let that happen. That's, that's a big risk to you and to Ryan. Your lawyer, that's a big risk. But they are shredding ballots, in my opinion, based on what I've heard. And they are removing machinery, uh, and they're moving it as fast as they can, both of which are criminal fines, and you can't let it happen, and you are letting it happen. You know, I mean, I'm notifying you that you're letting it happen. That's not a threat, by the way. They're saying, oh, Donald Trump threatened these officials. He's not saying, I'm going to have you arrested. He's saying, oh, by the way, this stuff is against the law. You guys are responsible. You could be in violation. I mean, he's not saying he's going to uh, send federal troops or the FBI. But you're, you're in jeopardy here. It's his opinion. And that's okay. Totally. They're criminalizing this stuff. They're all, and by the way, what about the timing? <laughs> He's running for president again. And now, now we're on the verge of indictments. All right, one more. I just want to find uh, 11,780 votes, which is one more than we have, because we won the state. I only need 11,000 votes. Fellas, I need 11,000 votes. Give me a break. Where's the crime? Where is the crime? He's saying there are problems in the elections. He is confident that he has more votes than Joe Biden, more legitimate votes. They're out there somewhere. This is not a crime. They want to indict people over this phone call and whether they, you know, they, they set up these traps. You know, if you if they find a discrepancy between what you told the grand jury and what you told somebody else or what you said on some phone call, bam, bam, they can nail you for uh, for perjury, perjury trap. Anyway, after this phone call, which is fine, there was total and complete outrage, as usual, when it comes to Donald Trump. Trump asked Georgia's Secretary of State point blank to fudge the numbers, to flip the state's 2020 result to give Trump a victory. On that phone call, Donald Trump doesn't just insult Fulton County. He insults the entire state of Georgia. Trump spent an hour uh, trying to alternately coax and threaten that Georgia state official into overturning Joe Biden's election win. Well, threaten the official. And Brad Raffensperger, 
Let's be honest, he does seem very fragile, right? Brad Raffensperger, he's the Georgia Secretary of State. He was on the phone call. Don't worry about Brad. Now he's running around calling himself Mr. Integrity, actually writing books, writing books. He's Mr. Integrity. I actually read that book. He's not Mr. Integrity. I know about this guy. Uh, oh, and his partner, remember that hysterical Gabe Sterling? I'm going to do my best to keep it together because... It has all gone too far. All of it. My boss, Secretary Raffensperger, his address is out there. They have people doing caravans in front of their house. They've had people come onto their property. Trisha, his wife of 40 years, is getting sexualized threats through her cell phone. It has to stop. Oh, gee. Well, I mean, I'm sorry, but an election's really important. Sexualized threats on the cell phone? Welcome to my world. I mean, this happens to people in the public eye sometimes. The address of Raffensperger is online. So was the president. 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. This guy was rewarded for his hysterics, by the way. Uh, speaking engagements all over the country. Yes, you can hire the executive. What is this guy? The executive assistant to the Georgia Secretary of State for ten dollars to $20,000. Okay, once again... He's the executive assistant to the Georgia Secretary of State. You really want him speaking at your next corporate event? I mean, they're all being rewarded. They're all being paid off. Uh, oh, and speaking of payoffs, back to Pete Buttigieg. When he got out of the election, uh, the campaign at the right time to give it to Joe Biden, uh, they promised him the secretary of transportation job, which he is totally and completely blowing. So a reporter comes up to him and wants to know, hey, you're going to East Palestine or what? What's the deal? And he's strangely rigid. He's like, I was, did 25 interviews. Go look at those. I'm not saying I'm not saying. And then this happens. Watch. Thank you. Can I get a, can I get a photo? Yeah. Do you hear that? Can I get a can I get a photo with you? One more time. Yeah. Wants to take her picture to turn it into security to see if they can catch her breaking some obscure law regulation. Ooh, he she got within 10 feet of a federal official and asked aggressive questions. They're always trying to get people in trouble, always trying to get Trump in trouble, right? Always trying to find something. Oh, maybe we can get him on this. Maybe we can get him on that. Instead of trying that, it's too bad that those in power didn't support him. And maybe others didn't try to learn from him. There's so much to learn. Far more productive than trying to catch him all the time. Joe Biden has a lot to learn from Donald Trump. Did you see this, by the way? See that? Did you see? He fell getting onto Air Force One. Let's slow down one more time. Boom. Ooh, that is not good. I'm sorry, but anytime anyone in their 80s falls, that's bad. This was more or less ignored by the mainstream media, just like they're always covering for Joe. Remember when he fell off that bike? It was bad. Watch. Bam. Right down. Pretty hard. Splat. There he goes. Ignored by the fake news. And two years ago, getting on Air Force One, boom, 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 three times, three times he went down, ignored by the fake news. This picture, though, iconic. Somebody took it from the side, huh? So Joe has always walked too fast. 
Even yesterday, you see that little trot he breaks into sometimes. It's dangerous, Joe. Slow down. I've been telling you that for a long time, actually, all the way back two years ago. In February of 2021, on this show, Joe took a minor, minor half fall at one point, And I said, I don't like this, Joe. You got to slow down. A fall for somebody like you could be really, really bad. So slow it down. He hasn't listened. But here's what I said. When you're the man, everybody's looking and watching. And I've noticed something about you. And actually, from the heart, sir, this is sincere. It concerns me. Uh, you're taking those stairs a little bit too fast. This whole running thing, this whole trying to convince everybody that you're a man of vitality. I've seen you run down ramps, run on stage, run off stage. Uh, it's going to catch up with you. And we're starting to see it. Take it easy. Great advice. Joe can't trust some of his own advisors. Some of them want him out. I mean, I want him out, too. But, Joe, <laughs> I, feel for, I feel for anybody who's surrounded by traitors and turncoats, and he's got plenty of them around him. <sighs> but I do want him gone. We'll be right back. Tucker Carlson, an amazing guy. Uh, I think he's a great American, uh, really talented. I like him. I think he may run for president someday. I'd vote for him. Don't run against Trump. Uh, really, he's terrific. But I got a beef with what happened with this January 6th footage. Not his fault. Uh, oh, for the record, though, at 8 o'clock, I watch Eric Bowling. But you may have heard by now that uh, he has been granted, Tucker, access, exclusive access to 40,000 hours of unreleased January 6th security camera footage. That's a lot. That's a lot. Now, we need to see that, but it's not Tucker's property. It's the American people's property. So far, we've been granted just little tidbits by that January 6th committee, things they wanted us to see, like Mitt Romney heroically uh, running through the Capitol. They, they characterized him as a hero here. The cop telling Mitt Romney, and Mitt Romney's life was in danger. And then Josh Hawley uh, kind of walks briskly and they say, oh, look at him. He's he's running like a coward. Give me a break. It looked like he was trying to catch a train. No big deal. In fact, he literally looks in the next sequence like he's just on his way to catch the 515 out to uh, Potomac or wherever those guys live. Uh, what else? Oh, the January 6th footage has been used to. Uh, the largest dragnet in the world to try to find all these people, many of whom did not hurt anybody or break anything. The FBI has been relentless in that total politicization of the FBI. But back to the, uh, the footage that Tucker's team has exclusive access to. 40,000 hours. Okay, now let's pretend for a moment that he's got 20 producers. That's 20 producers. They'd have to look at 2,000 hours each. All right, that's one formula. Let's look at another formula. Uh, 2,000 hours, 24, uh, 83 days of watching footage 24-7. Is that right? Is that, that, check the math. But this, look, it's a lot of work for 20 people. If he even has 20 people. It's not fair. I put, McCarthy made this decision. Speaker McCarthy, he's giving it to one guy, not the rest of us. And I'm suspicious of McCarthy. He's done some nice things since he got the job. But regarding Ashley Babbitt, the woman who was clearly murdered, unarmed, what did he say about this? Now he's got the power to investigate. 
How do they characterize what happened to her? One of the first things Marjorie Taylor Greene said from the oversight diets was that Ashley Babbitt was murdered. Mm -hmm. Do you think Ashley Babbitt was murdered, or do you think the police officer who shot her was doing his job? I think the police officer did his job. Absolutely no way in hell. No, that is wrong. There isn't a police department in America that could justify this shooting. And those cops who just walked away, hit the video. Uh, you see those officers there? And the, everything is kind of, it's a little bit chaotic, but it's under control. And then they decide to take a coffee break. Turn up the volume. There they go. Da -dup, da -dup. And then these guys start going crazy on the on the door there. Cops are just standing against the wall. You gotta be looking into this, Speaker McCarthy. And you're about to see Lieutenant Bird's gun. He's taking aim even before Ashley Babbitt is in the doorway. He's gonna shoot somebody. And he chooses Ashley Babbitt. Yeah, doing his job. My foot. Are you kidding me? Michael Byrd pulled the trigger. We know who he is. The least you could do is fire the guy. Harry Dunn, one of those crying cops from the January 6th committee. All the other cops, they've either quit or they weren't Capitol Hill cops. This guy you should take care of. Get him off the force. He's intimidating members of Congress and he has a gun. That is totally outrageous. I'm sorry. By the way, I talk about these guys. Uh, I am in total support of law enforcement, except when they allow themselves to be politicized. You can check it out. I actually have a lot to say about January 6th about Ashley Babbitt, um, about her homicide. Yes, it was a homicide. The FBI has used that footage to go after ordinary citizens, people who didn't break anything, people who didn't hurt anybody, yet they've been harassing them nationwide. And it's kind of incredible. So that footage could be of use for a lot of people. Actually, they should give it to the entire country because we're not 20 producers on Tucker Carlson's show. We're an entire country, and we could find stuff very, very quickly. This happened actually once before in the most unique way, the assassination of John F. Kennedy. Um, I'm pretty convinced that Oswald had some help at this point, aren't you? I wasn't always, but now I am. In 1978, the House of Representatives convened a uh, select committee on assassinations to look into what really happened to JFK. That committee determined, they looked at a lot of evidence, a lot of new evidence, that there was a fourth shot fired at JFK and that there was a conspiracy to kill the president. Now, it turned out that their acoustic evidence was flawed. They released it to the public. And actually, a nudie magazine at the time, <laughs> Gallery Magazine, actually put one of those cheap records, they used to put them on cereal boxes, of the actual audio evidence that they said established a fourth shot and a conspiracy. Some guy in Ohio, I believe, bought the nudie magazine and put it on his turntable and found out something that everybody else missed. 1979, Gallery Magazine put out this special issue on the assassination of President Kennedy. 
and in it included a paper record of the recorded gunshot evidence. And if you overlook the narration, you can, you know, pretty much hear what they're talking about. Well, anyway, I just played this thing to death, just trying to hear, you know, the gunshots and hear for myself what they really said was 95% evidence of a conspiracy. I found that when Sheriff Decker is speaking, his voice is coming through the open microphone during the sound impulses that the acoustic experts said were gunshots. But he didn't make his statement until a minute and a half after the assassination had already occurred, so those cannot be gunshots simply because of that. You know In 1982, the National Academy of Sciences confirmed the crosstalk Steve Barber discovered and thus concluded the acoustic evidence of a fourth shot coming from the grassy knoll was invalid. I think that was Walter Cronkite, by the way, narrating. Uh, it's kind of amazing, isn't it? I know there was a lot there. I still believe there was a conspiracy, but that uh, tape did not prove it. That acoustical evidence didn't prove it, did not establish it. This guy found something that nobody else could. If you put that January 6th footage out, and it belongs out. It's part of the public domain. The American people own it, not Tucker Carlson, not Tucker Carlson's producers. We could find stuff a lot quicker. All of us together, millions of us. Let us have it now. I'll be right back. This country was made by tax rebels, freedom fighters, gold seekers, believers, lovers, and true patriots. We're Newsmax, and we're their heirs, and so are you. Newsmax TV, real news for real people. European American Armory Corp, or EAA Corp, is specialized in providing high-quality, innovative, and reasonably priced firearms to the U.S. since 1990. You can choose from a wide selection of unique and traditional pistols, whether you're looking for a concealed carry, revolver, shotgun, or competition pistol, EAA Corp has it. EAA's 1911 series comes in compact, carry, or full-size in three popular calibers. If you're a first-time gun owner, EAA Corp's all-in-one 9mm MC9 Striker fire pistols come fully equipped in a sleek, light, ergonomic package ideal for everyday carry. In addition, their lineup includes the MC312 series of 12-gauge shotguns for hunting, sporting, tactical, or personal defense that will exceed your expectations. There is a limited lifetime warranty on every series available today at EAA Corp. EAA Corp says get the quality firearm you've always wanted and save yourself a lot of hard-earned money. Visit EAACorp.com. That's EAACorp.com to learn more and order online or through your local dealer. Well, good morning, Lori. And the frigid temperatures have really taken a toll on water mains throughout Suffolk County right now. Crews are wrapping up their work. They capped that main long ago. Water has been restored to the neighborhood here. For some of you, it's going to feel below zero today in New York's Catholic Craig on the Upper West Side with those who are trying to stay warm, among them Cat Craig. I know I am. Got the parka hood up, Michael. Very chilly out here, and the wind picks up a little bit. You can see the newspapers flying right there. Some of the street signs around here also waving in the wind, and people out here trying to stay warm. A lot of TV news is not glamorous, covering a water main break or frigid temperatures outside. That's Catherine Craig and earlier Lisa Calagrassi. Lisa on the left, Catherine on the right. Lisa died at work at the age of 49 
a mother of two children, married. They say it was from a brain hemorrhage. Uh, more recently, Catherine Craig, in the hours before she was to report to work, died of a cardiopulmonary incident, they say. Um, what's interesting to me about these two cases, both of these women were working the overnight shift or the very early morning shift. That's a dangerous shift. No matter what your profession is, you are subjected to greater physical and mental stress. I think it's particularly acute for mothers uh, working in far-flung parts of the metropolitan area, be it here or Los Angeles or anywhere else. And the CDC says that this kind of work late at night, early in the morning is dangerous. Research indicates, this is from the CDC, that shift work increases health and safety risks by disturbing sleep and circadian rhythms and reducing time for family and non-work responsibilities. They go on to say these immediate effects promote stress, fatigue, negative mood, discomfort, physiologic dysfunction, and poor health behaviors. These in turn could lead to illnesses and injuries for the worker. Now, you add this into the mix for these two reporters. They're on television. And television, especially for women, there's a big premium on appearance, on looks. Now look, every job is tough, and I know there are jobs out there, plenty that have um, uh, requirements late at night, early in the morning. Talk to the people at the post office, right? But the post office, it's a little bit different. Um, there aren't 10,000 people waiting for you to lose that job so they can take yours. That's how competitive it is in television. And I can only wonder about the pressure that Catherine and Lisa were under. At a certain point in your career, you start making a certain amount of money. You become very, very skilled at reporting on those water main breaks or reporting on uh, the latest shooting. You need that. It's early in the morning, but it's all over the city. What happened here, actually, with these two women dying, I do believe their work schedule contributed to their death. I can't prove that, but I've looked at the numbers. If you look at the tables, two women their age dropping dead the way they did, it's very, very remote that it had nothing to do with work. And that makes that shift one of the most dangerous shifts in America. It's kind of like this. When the Concorde crashed, do you remember from Paris in the year 2000? Um, it had never crashed before. But since the airplane flew so infrequently, that one mishap made the Concorde one of the most dangerous planes that ever flew. Um, I think that with these fatalities of these two women, uh, that job is dangerous. Now, there are stations all over the country that have reporters working very early in the morning. I have a suggestion. Station management should share these responsibilities. Nobody does those shifts for more than, say, six weeks that's kind of how tankers do it. You know, people on ship, you're at sea for uh, 30 days, you're off for 30 days, something like that. You go to a more manageable shift after six weeks. I think it could actually save lives. I think maybe it's going to be a project of mine to put big companies like Disney and NBC Universal 
who employ a lot of these reporters who are showing up at 1230 at night to go stand in front of some dark building to pretend that there's news happening when there isn't any news happening. Lisa Caligrassi died at just 49 years of age. Catherine Craig was just 47, both married mothers. I think, I think this is a pretty easy fix. Don't you? Wouldn't hurt. I'll be right back. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. We'll have term limits for Congress. and mandatory mental competency tests for politicians over 75 years old. Well, I'm not a fan of her, but uh, what about the idea? Cognitive competency tests for politicians 75 or up, at least those seeking the presidency. Well, the idea is being taken very seriously by Congressman Scott. Day Jarlay, Republican of Tennessee, House GOP Doctors Caucus member, a uh, new bill that would mandate cognitive tests for presidents. Say, first of all, Congressman, welcome. How are you? Doing great, Greg. Thanks for having me on, and thank you for your service to our country. Oh, thank you, sir. Uh, all right, so tell us, how would this work? Uh, you have this joint resolution that would require. Just do me a favor, uh, take us through it, and, and, and why do you think this is a good idea? Okay, well, it's amazing that it isn't already a requirement, honestly, but uh, as people live longer and, and people get older, uh, you tend to develop a mental decline, and it hasn't really been an issue with presidents in the past. Uh, when Reagan was uh, president, he was determined to be maybe a little too old, or people uh, accused him of that, but now, over the past five to ten years, we've seen presidents that have started in their 70s, and in, in Joe Biden's case, just turned 80. So I don't really agree with Nikki Haley that 75 should be a cutoff. I think that all candidates for president or vice president, and frankly, Supreme Court judges, senators, congressmen should all be able to demonstrate uh, cognitive competency. And it, it shouldn't be a test that concerns really anyone uh, to take. Well, it looks like Joe Biden would fail any such test. We just saw him stumbling and uh, it's kind of sad. All right, but let me ask you, and I'm looking at the actual bill here. Uh, section one, no person shall be eligible unless the person demonstrates cognitive competence. Uh, the Congress shall have the power to enforce this article through appropriate legislation. Uh, sir, this sounds to me, potentially, I'm just going to devil's advocate here, that this could be unconstitutional. The Constitution sets the requirements for uh, president. And I think you just got to be 35 years or older and born in America and that's pretty much it. It doesn't say anything about a cognitive test. Right. And you know, I don't think the founding fathers were probably thinking about that back then. I'm not sure uh, dementia and uh, cognitive decline uh, was an issue at the time. But for our commander in chief, it's a very demanding 
job, both physically and mentally. And uh, you know, Jamie Raskin, congressman that I served with, suggested that uh, we have similar legislation about five years ago. Uh, and I think he was referring to President Trump at the time, but really this should be a nonpartisan issue. Uh, I don't think that anyone in America, regardless of political parties, thinks that we should have a president or vice presidential candidate that can't pass a competency test. We know that they do physical exams. President Biden was just uh, called a vibrant 80-year-old, which is a lot different than a vibrant uh, 50 year old or 40 year old. So yeah. physicians could say one thing, but as you said, the devil's in the details and being able to make this fair so it's not politically targeting any one candidate or party is going to be complicated. And yes, the Constitution states that. So that's why we would have to amend the Constitution Ooh. to include this. Yeah, and that is very complicated and very challenging. You got to get all the states involved, constitutional convention. Hey, but President Trump is, uh, I think he might be down with this. Listen to uh, this while he was president talking to a doctor. Go back to that question and repeat them. Can you do it? And you go, person, woman, man, camera, TV. They say, that's amazing. How did you do that? I do it because I have like a good memory because I'm cognitively there. He was impressed with his own results, and I think he would, uh, yeah, he thinks he could pass it. I bet he could, too. All right, constitutional convention would be required. You'd have to amend the Constitution. Off the top of my head, three-quarters of all states? Uh, I mean, what, what are the other requirements? It's a lot. Right, that's... Uh yeah, your three quarters of states have to agree. We have to pass this through the House and Senate. You know, it needs to be a nonpartisan bill. Uh, but I think that people agree that uh, this is an obvious requirement to be president. And usually these things will be flushed out during the, the stages of a campaign. But uh, you know, campaigns can be different. The last one we saw was in the middle of a pandemic and, and we didn't have the traditional debate. So uh, you know, look at John Fetterman. He unfortunately had a stroke and uh, probably could not have passed this test yet. He's, you know, went through the process. He won the election. Now, you know, he's having issues, which everyone probably thought he would. So I think we really need to look at this for senators, representatives, presidents. And, you know, maybe there's another angle we can take other than a constitutional amendment. Uh, we're looking at all, all possible avenues to make this happen. But it, it seems pretty clear cut that uh, that should be a basic requirement. All right, doctor, you know, and you are a doctor, you're a physician. Hey, tell us a little bit about your life in medicine. What kind of doctor are you? Do you get to treat patients anymore? Well, you know, when you're in Congress, they don't really allow you to, to see patients anymore. So I had a family practice for 17 years in, in Tennessee. And uh, but I, I do get to hang out with my doctor colleagues in Congress and and uh, and we still you know get to address medical issues that come up uh, from time to time. So. Um, it, it's, uh, it, it was a great job and, and, uh, it gives a good background for issues like this. All right. Well, stay tuned. Uh, this is a joint resolution. It would be a resolution and, uh, those things aren't binding. And we just went through, a, uh, Hey, finally, real quick, what is the number one mental acuity test out there that we could take that we might be able to give ourselves at home? Some cognitive test. Is there well, a... I think Trump took the Montreal cognitive assessment exam, but uh, he's right. You know, they ask you to repeat a series of words. Maybe it's uh, go to the store, get bread, eggs, milk, and butter, and can you repeat it back? Uh, read a paragraph. What do you comprehend? Uh, just various uh, numerical exercises. So you can Google 
cognitive tests, you can take them, but uh, most people should be intimidated by that. It seems like it should be a pretty obvious requirement, but uh, sometimes you have to codify these things in law. I'm Googling it right now, and there it is. The uh, You're right, the Montreal Cognitive Assessment Test, digital form. I'm going to take it during the commercial break. I'm, I hope I'm qualified. Congressman uh, Day Jarlay, we appreciate it. Republican from Tennessee. Thank you, sir. We'll be right back. Honestly, I kind of wanted to subpoena the former president because I got to swear everybody in. And so I thought it'd be really cool to get 60 seconds with President Trump of me looking at him and being like, do you solemnly swear? And me getting to swear him in. I just I kind of just thought that would be an awesome moment. This is the American justice system. That was a grand jury for person seemed totally city silly and it's up to her whether or not to indict president trump let's bring in matt whitaker former acting attorney general under president trump uh welcome sir first of all how are you and um welcome back i always enjoy doing your show thank you so much for having me on i this is unfortunately the state of our social media crazed uh justice system i guess we have a uh, a jury, a grand jury that elects this uh, witch, I believe, as a four-person. It's a little um, outside of the bounds of normality, to say the least. Yeah, if you look at her profile, she's into all kinds of things, witchcraft, whatever. Um, all right. Do you think, because she's on all the channels all the time, that she was, they encouraged her to go out? Does this serve any legal purpose? Does this meet any strategy, far-flung strategy they may have? I don't think so, other than uh, my sense is that the the mainstream media, CNN that had her on and others are growing impatient. Uh, they want desperately to have some charges to report. They want criminal indictments, especially against Donald Trump. Everyone knows they don't have the evidence to do that, but they need this smoke to keep going. And so they, you know, uh, really kind of not force, but certainly urge this for a person to go on and and talk in generalities and suggest that there's some some there there and you know if I'm the the county prosecutor in Fulton County uh, I'm not very happy with this but at the same time uh, you know like make a decision you know you had this jury has given you the evidence they found make a prosecutorial decision you know the dithering and the lack of decisiveness out of this prosecutor should tell you it's a very weak case uh, to start with. You know, I listened again to the phone call that started all this, the phone call between Trump, Rappensberger, and a bunch of other people on the call. I'm not a lawyer, but I hear no criminality. I also have heard the media totally mischaracterize it when Donald Trump says, you know, that's against the law and you got to be, uh, you know, that, that, that's on you. You got to take care of that. He's not threatening him. He's just pointing out there's a law against this stuff right. and you could have exposure. That's not saying I'm going to get you, right? No, correct. If you listen to that call in, in its entirety, um, you know, there's there's no criminal act uh, that the president does in that call. Um, you know, the bottom line is that he wanted to win Georgia. Uh, there was a lot of abnormalities and a lot of ch problems 
with the vote in Georgia, especially in uh, the major city of Atlanta and its surrounding suburbs. And, you know, this uh, some this has been highlighted um, in various documentaries. And, you know, these, you know, he was just making sure that all the legal votes were counted. That's all we want is we want every legal voter to be able to cast their ballot and every legal vote to be counted. And uh, it's just a shame um, that, again, we're, we're still talking about January 6th. We're still talking about the 2020 election because this is all the Democrats have. You know, the rest mm-hmm. of the world is burning down. Our economy is not doing very well. We're probably heading into recession. And so they hope that they can distract people. General Whitaker. I like that. General Whitaker. It's a privilege to have you on this show, former acting attorney general. Uh, to be continued, come back soon. And thank you. We'll be right, right. back. So you know by now that uh, in January, DirecTV dropped Newsmax. 13 million customers deprived of Newsmax. We need you to stand up to DirecTV and stand up for free speech. Thanks for doing it to those who already have. Call DirecTV. Let them know you support free speech and Newsmax. The numbers are right there. You can also sign our petition against censorship. Please go to IWantNewsmax.com. So many of you already have. We so appreciate it. And for those who haven't, please consider. Many thanks.